Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the second of the fantastic, awesome, super, mega, happy podcasts uh, this week. And it's me, Chris, aka Suburban Guna, and I've joined, I'm joined by four, three of the lads. And basically, we're going to spend the next 30 minutes absolutely waxing lyrical about the Arsenal. So let's introduce our uh, budding volunteers for the evening. In my top right-hand corner, although I don't know how that'll appear on uh, on screen when it actually comes out for the recording, I've got Woz. Uh, how you doing, my man? Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Riding that wave at the moment, mate. It's been a... Crest of the wave, baby. It Crest is, mate, wave. yeah. Bottom right-hand corner, Mr. McDonald. Mike, how are you doing? Hey, With the most amazing oh. background in the world. Oh my gosh, you haven't even seen the minion. There's a glimpse of the minion. He's so happy and I'm happier than the minion. That's how I'm going to describe it. Happier than a minion right now. <laughs> Lovely. And last, by, but by no means least, is the man himself, She Wore Gav. How you doing, my man? Oh, just just fucking delighted, really. Do you know what I mean? Just been spending the last few days working hard and smiling. Lovely. Right, I've started the timer just now so we've uh, we're trying to cram in as much as we can for 30 minutes we will inevitably go overrun probably by a couple of minutes but let's see how we can go and i'll start with you gav general feelings about before the game on uh saturday during the game and then after the game and what you did right uh well i mean i think i was awake at about six o'clock in the morning and i'm walking about and i'm pacing about and not knowing what to do with myself so i've got the flags out got the scarves out I decorated the front room. We'd got red and white balloons out and it was still half past seven, eight o'clock and I'm still waiting for the kids to wake up. <laughs> uh, started drinking quite... I, I started drinking before the yard arm. Let's just say that. Uh, had a good drink all day. We done... Because my kids are eight and, eight and four. So we done party food. They dressed up in Arsenal shirts and... We just sort of like had a party in the afternoon and watched the film to sort of try and relax before the game. Watched the game. The kids lasted about half an hour before they buggered off. And <laughs> it was about 90 minutes of me shouting, screaming at the telly, ending up the first goal. Our first goal, I think I ended up like about five metres away. And I have no idea how that happened. Do you know what I mean? But I'd say me and the missus jumping about and screaming. Uh, yeah, and then... Afterwards, we treated ourselves to a nice ruby. I had a nice gel frazy. Uh, more beers, even more beers. And uh, I even watched Match of the Day for the first time in uh, about three or four years. That's the rule, uh, isn't it? You can yeah. watch Match of the Day if uh, if Arsenal have been good, and they were good on Saturday, weren't they? Oh, no. It was just, it was just, it was just brilliant. And I've got to tell this one, right? and I know we're, we're pushing for time, so I'll tell this quick one. The film we watched before it started was one of the Marvel things about Captain America. And then I'm watching the build-up and they're talking about this Chelsea player who's the Captain of America. And then he goes and scores. And he's, they're saying, oh, Captain America's done it for Chelsea. And I'm thinking, why didn't we watch that fucking film? We're fucking jinxed by watching that fucking film. And I'm like staring at the missus and staring at the fucking film. But yeah, no, but yeah, so no, it was just a great, it was just a great day. It was a great family day. Obviously, I would like yeah. to have been with a family down a boozer somewhere, but we made the very, very best of it we could, I promise you. 
Good to hear, good to hear. And was obviously, we were talking just before we started, you and I have met up a couple of times in JJ Moons beforehand. Mm. I normally turn up at about half 12 and I think you're half cut by then. So <laughs> we should have been there. Um, but what did you do? Don't blame, you do me. With your day? blame the table service. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, like you said, it, it's a really, it's always a raw and an unexplainable emotion on cup final day when you're involved. It's just, you, you cannot describe the, the anticipation. It just gets to you. You, it's just not normal. You don't feel normal. And and like you said, that's probably part of the reason why I end up down the boozer as early as we do, because that sort of takes the takes the shine off of the, the angst and gets you ready for the game. But it, it just was strange, not not commuting down, not having the trip down Wembley Way and, and all the, the anthems and everything. But yeah, I was at home with a few people around with him. And um, to be honest with you, mate, I was out, put the TV out in the garden, lovely sunny day. And uh, yeah. yeah. It just, it really escalated. And I mean, afterwards, went some serious levels. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we took we're, we're three, four bottles of champagne down. It, it was it was a really good night, to be honest with you, mate. And I've literally just probably getting over it and starting to feel feel myself again. But weren't it worth it? And it's just such a shame we couldn't share it, like we said, with everyone down the Arsenal. But it's one we'll never forget for many, many reasons. Yeah, for many, many reasons. And Mike, what did you do then over there in the States? Well, um, golly, my, me and my son, he's 10 years old, little Maxwell. I sort of lived the game through him. He's, he was so anxious before the game, so was I. And then, you know, it's the roller coaster of uh, this season, uh, Chris, has been the roller coaster of sport, hasn't it? I mean, every single emotion we've, we've uh, come into contact with as Arsenal fans. And this game was the same as anxiety before. <coughs> we were mad and frustrated um, at the beginning because we went down. Everything turns around. And it gets better. And then I watched my son for the first time. He started to get a real grip of football. And at the end of the game, he starts throwing the pillows uh, around the room and the cushions and then runs outside and jumps in the swimming pool. So I just follow him. So that's what we did. Um, it was a fabulous day. Not so much um, the champagne, but just mouthfuls of swimming pool water is probably what we were doing. Nice. Nice. Can't go um, wrong with a bit of chlorine, mate. Car gathering with a bit of chlorine, yeah. everybody loves it. So I um, went to the pub with the wife beforehand. We were having lunch and I just um, remember her saying to me, are you all right? And I was just like, yeah, I, just, I think I've got a bit of, a, of an upset stomach. I don't know what I ate last night. It was nothing to do with the food. I was just absolutely terrified. I wasn't convinced that we were going to win the game. I thought we'd be very, very, um, I thought we'd be very um, poor. But, you know, as soon as the game got up, as soon as, the, well, within the first five minutes, within the first, first five, ten minutes, it was a little bit worrying because, um, you know, Chelsea were good for the first 15 minutes. But after that, um, I thought that, um, I thought we were, I thought we were bossing the game. But let's move on to the actual, let's, let's talk players. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Mike. Um, give me two players that you thought were quite impressive and um, you liked the look of yesterday, uh, yeah. on Sunday, Saturday. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, well, the first one I'm going to pick, I would never normally pick this guy because I've been wanting Arsenal to get a better right back for many, many years. I think Hector Bellerin is good, but no better than than good. I, I love his personality off the field and I love the fact that he loves Arsenal. So I'm torn, um, but I've been very frustrated over the years that he runs down the wing, stops and passes the ball backwards over and over yeah. again. But I tell you what, uh, that moment when he put the team on his shoulders and decided that he was going to run through the midfield at pace. And for the first time in 
well, over a year because he's been injured, we saw that pace back. That's the first time there was a there was a clear burst of pace. And then he went into that challenge that he didn't have to go into. And without all of that happening, the second goal doesn't happen. We don't necessarily win the FA Cup. So I've got to give kudos to Hector Bellerin. And I hope that he's turned a corner. I hope he's going to get his pace back. And I hope he'll continue to drive and take the initiative and be proactive. The other player... Um, is Ainsley Maitland-Niles and every time I think of him I get nervous because I'm worried Arsenal are going to sell him and I don't understand that if they do because he for a guy who has yet to play in his position has played in two or three other positions and most every time doesn't just do a job he does very very well you know he's asked to play left wing back and he shuts down one of the best players in the league then he does it again and then you know what I saw the other day was he was asked to you know play uh, again of the foreign position and then he was moved after the water break uh, into the center of the midfield to stop them between the lines we'll get into that later but um my goodness that boy has got the athletic ability he's obviously got the tactical nous he obviously listens well um and adjusts and if he can do that without even ever playing in his position it makes you wonder yeah, yeah, certainly does. Certainly does. And I was impressed by Bellerin, I've got to say. Um, I think that game felt like a little bit more like the Bellerin of old. I mean, he's being asked to do different things. And again, we'll talk about this in a minute when we get onto the tactics side of it. But he's been asked to do slightly different things. And um, it hasn't always looked great, if I'm completely honest with you. But it felt like he was bringing back his confidence. And, you know, big game. He stepped forward. So absolutely, uh, absolutely top stuff. So, Gav, um can you give me your two players, please? Oh, I'm trying to remember who was was going to say so I can nick his players. <laughs> he didn't tell you. <laughs> he kept quiet. <laughs> no, no, I kept that close did. to my chest. No, no, you did, didn't you? Uh, I think Pepe had one of his better games for us. Uh, well, that, that was with one of them. The offside. Yes. I thought he was coming inside a lot more, which I liked. Uh He's, he's one chance, he more or less banged it away, even though it was uh, uh, pulled for offside. He got the assist for the goal, the second goal as well. But I just liked his overall play. I thought his overall play was really good. So, yeah, I, I mean, you could, like I say, you could, you could pick any, any one of them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you could pick David Louise as well. I mean, I thought he had a game. You knew what you were. Is that your second one? Was look, Gav. Gazer's pick. both for players. Cheers, mate. I'll, I'll just go, shall I? <laughs> We'll give was a couple of words on Pepe and uh, Louise before he has to randomly pick two others that he can remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, sorry, was. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right, no, Great uh, ones and all that, eh? Yeah, no, well, obviously, Jack, I mean, we must have been watching the same game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just like the way that, that Louise sort of. When you don't notice him too much, you know he's having a good game. And the way he, he weren't letting Giroud have too much space as well, uh, I thought was brilliant. And just the way he sort of marshalled things, really, it's... Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I'll leave Was to have another word on on, on uh, Louise. He'll probably put it a lot better than me. Well, now he's got to pick four. So <laughs> you've got David Louise, you've got Pepe, and you've got two more. So take it away, Was. We'll go and uh, put the mics down and come back in 10 minutes. No, on, just, I think you're spot on what you're saying, Gav, about um, David Louise. Just to elaborate, he's, he's definitely not one of my favourite players and, and he frustrates the life out of me. But when he's got someone like Giroud who he can get tight to, who he can disrupt, who he can and, 
be an annoying centre-back. David Luiz actually does excel and it's when he's asked to turn and sprint and deal with pace, he just looks like a lummox. And it, it, a lot of that is part of the way he's played his whole career. He's sort of on the edge and, and what he was doing, he bullied Giroud, let's be brutally honest. For, for he the vast killed him at one point. Game. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. He did. You hear me? Went, yeah. And then literally, <laughs> the way he falls down, it's like yeah, a, it's if like a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? Yeah. Well, they, that particular tree made a bloody loud sound. I've yeah, got exactly. But when but, you see, when I watched the replay, he almost like falls down. You know when you fall down and you actually put your hands down in front of you? He don't it's like he, forget, he just went face plant and it was hilarious. Sorry, well, I was he didn't going. do that. He normally does that, <laughs> yeah. doesn't he, when he hurts himself? Yeah, with your flicky arms, yeah. Go but on, mate. yeah, I mean, yeah, David Luiz definitely turned up on a big occasion and yeah he just he just nullified Olivier Giroud and it, it really helped us with with Gulicic going off because we didn't really have that that pace running through the lines and Pedro ain't as quick he is quick but he ain't as quick and um just quickly on Nico Pepe I think Gav pretty much covered it but for me it was his work rate that he this guy works so hard so so hard you right back to the 96th minute of the game on the edge of his own box that challenge he was wrong side. He had to get it spot on or he's giving them a shot on goal there. And he was brave enough and he was strong enough to get in and win that ball. And and that, for me, just epitomised his performance. And yeah, the goal was fantastic. The control, the, I mean, he made four touches in a millisecond to get that ball set to play it to a Bamyang. Brilliant for the goal. And I was just really happy to see there's so much weight on this guy's shoulders because of the price tag. There's so much expectancy. We've had a season from hell. And we ain't seen the best of Pepe. And, and, and I can understand people's frustrations, but you've got to see what, what we've been through this year. And it's been so difficult for him to sort of put his stamp on the game. But for him to come out and play like that and show that aggression, that tenacity, that stature in that kind of game, for me, bodes so well for next season. And um, I think just quickly, Granit Xhaka, I just, just want to say, Granit Xhaka, he had another one of them games where he was quietly very good at everything he'd done. And he was just sitting in there, keeping the ball ticking over. He's not, the way we've been playing recently, he doesn't have as many touches. And it, when he does have a touch, he uses it well. And I think he's, he's improving on that all the time. His body shape when he receives the ball, he's, he's looking far, far more comfortable in there. And he did, he had his Xhaka moment right at the start, didn't he, where he got robbed and Mason Mount had a shot. But that yeah. aside, from, from sort of that 10-minute shaky spell where the whole team was a bit off, I thought we were fantastic. And I thought he, in the middle of the park, epitomise the strength of, of what we were doing. We were so good with our spaces and everything. So, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's I can't name one more. We'll have to... Go on. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to I'm gonna chip in with a couple. Let's talk about... Um, I want to talk about uh, our man, Aubameyang, because that's four goals in a semi-final and a cup final. And he's essentially, to my mind, won us the FA Cup. You know, there's the, the team performance was fantastic. We're going to get onto tactics in just a second. But to me... This guy is Rolls-Royce. It was the first thing I said when I saw him again, when we beat Everton 5-1 and he went through on goal. I think he missed his first chance, but he scored his second chance. And I just remember turning to the guy next to me at the Emirates and saying, this guy is a Rolls-Royce footballer. We've got ourselves an absolute peach there. And to me, this is a no-brainer because we're not going to find another footballer. Unless we pay 100 million quid, we're not going to find another footballer like him that's going to be an instant impact. Um, so... Aubameyang, definitely one of those that I think we need to pick out. And the other one, and, and I'm going to now sort of slowly segue us into the tactics side of it. I actually picked Martinez. He didn't do loads. Um, it was hilarious, the old uh, just on the edge of the box, um, you know, fly by the seat of your pants type stuff. But in the semi-final, 
he did what he needed to do when he was called upon. He made some very, very good saves. He made a couple of decent enough saves. But the reason why I'm picking Martinez is because it's the way that we actually set up. And I'm going to go to you in just a second, Mike, because what I saw on Saturday was a team that knew that Chelsea wanted to press us, put us under pressure. But what we did is we didn't will. And like Arteta said in his um, in one of his pre-match interviews, you know, he gets what he gets nervous when we kick it long rather than when we go short. We were intelligent. It was playing the ball around. It was finding the pockets. The amount of times where Martinez will either find his right-sided centre-back or his left-sided centre-back. But if that doesn't work, then someone like Granit Xhaka or Sobias is dropping in with this movement and it's finding that space. And so we draw Chelsea in and then we go up the sides and round the top. And I think that sort of side of it is is has been fundamental. So for me, I, I liked the look. I'm liking the look of Martinez at the moment. But, Mike, that's enough of me talking. Let's talk tactics, things that impressed you on Saturday. Where are you going, mate? Yeah, well, I was uh, super impressed with uh, with the coach. The coach uh, changed the game. First part, up until the water break, we weren't particularly good. And at times, they were pretty terrifying with Pulisic on the top of his game. After that water break, when he moved Maitland-Niles inside and he shifted Pepe defensively inside so that Xhaka and Savias could play. So Xhaka, I think, dropped more as a defensive midfielder to play between the lines to stop them playing, Mount and Pulisic from playing between the lines. Uh, that changed everything. So tactically, our coach, um, who has maybe shown a slight weakness in his game management, if there has been a weakness so far, and, uh, and making the adjustments that we might just see, stepped up exactly at the time that we needed him to. Uh, and Maitland-Niles, yet again, moving to another position, um, changed the game. Um, I was so very impressed uh, with that. The other piece is um, just the, the willingness for a coach to come from somewhere like Manchester City to uh, playing the, the tick attack, the pass move as the, uh, uh, move as the ball is moving and all this high technical play to being willing to play to our um, the needs of the players. That is so impressive to me because I'm pretty sure that Mikel Arteta doesn't really want to play football this way. But he's smart. And most coaches, Chris, will not do this. They have one way of playing, maybe two, and the players have to adapt. And that's why I'm so encouraged by him. And I want to just channel this towards Arteta again, is that he is looked to what we've got. And we are, you know, we're playing, people call us long ball. And it's not just long ball without a thought. That's winning us the semi-final. That's just won us the final. Those long balls over the top, it's tactical uh, and it's intelligent based on who we have. We don't have the best central midfield, so we've not, we're not trying to be stubborn and go through there. We are looping these balls over the top and using Tierney's um, distribution and such. So I'm just going to pick on the coach and his tactical nails. Yeah, I mean... Fantastic. Um, I'll tell you what was. Got anything to add on that? But things that impressed you from a tactical side, and then uh, we'll bring Gavin for his uh, his insight. And uh, at this point, at this juncture, I'd like to point out to whoever's listening to this. Uh, whenever I've listened to these lads, they all have really interesting things to say. And then Gav always saves his more interesting stuff for when he's, we're not recording. So Gav, I'm going to give you your moment in a minute. But uh, was you kick it off first? Things that impressed you? Yeah, Mike. Mike really, really dissected that really well. There, I agree with everything he said, but. Also, I think that Arteta and Lampard both put the game into a scenario where it was always going to be a minute tactical change. And then it became, after that tactical change, it became man versus man. And the amount of times when you see Maitland-Niles dropping short, Reese James is following him. 
Aubameyang comes inside, Azpilicueta follows him, Rhys James is set, dropping in at right back with Maitland-Niles going in beyond. And this indecision was creating that hole. And when you watch the goal, when you watch the, the penalty decision, the exact same thing happened there. Maitland-Niles just dropped into, like Mike was saying, into that area, dropping in, providing solidarity, providing that short ball. But Aubameyang has targeted that space then, in behind, huge gap. We know Azpilicueta ain't going to, to be fair, Roadrunner wouldn't beat Aubameyang in that, in that channel. So, once you've created that space, and this, like Mike was hitting, that's not a joke. That's not, that's not, oh, look, he's got space there. This is all thought out. This is moving the ball strategically around the back. Like you were saying about Martinez, the, the clever passes, Sabah's dropping in. We move, we suck players out, we create the space, and it's gone. And this is astonishing to watch. And, and like Mike was saying, with these, this level of players, don't get me wrong, they're not all frauds. We have got a good basis of a squad. And some of them are good on their day. Some of them are not so good overall, but we can improve. But to see the manager take on a game like that in a cup final and, and implement it the way he did, it was just magnificent. And, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, we committed two fouls in the whole game. No. Two yeah. fouls in, in, in a hundred, well, it was over 100 minutes of football. And that, for me, that just amplifies the spacing was incredible. There was no one isolated 1v1. And after that first sort of 10 minutes of Rob Holding running around like a nutcase, we, we, we closed that gap. <laughs> yes. Like Rob Holding was like a dog on a lead with Pulisic, bless him, for the first 10 minutes. He was just like yeah. trying his hardest to stay tight, but you just can't. And that was due to the spacing. And, and like Mike said, as soon as we, we realised that and we sh- we'd done them exact tactical adjustments, which was Arteta, we were just an unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. performance. And we fully, fully deserved it. And, and full credit to Arteta. And yeah, I mean, it was just... To, to, to see that blossom in a final after the season we've had was just emotional, exciting, and it just makes you want more, doesn't it? And, and luckily, they've got to wait too long. Yeah, exactly. It's what, five weeks or whatever it is. So, Gav, bring us home then for anything that impressed you from Arteta and a tactical point of view. Yeah, basically, I mean, I mean, obviously, I, I love doing the little tactical pods with, with Mike and Moz. We have a right good, uh, good chat before, during, and after. Uh, but, you know, what I liked was the fact that it wasn't necessarily, I mean, when Mike's talking about long ball, uh, for me, I'm going back to when long ball was hoof it up to the to the centre forward. And yeah. even though there was a fair yeah. amount of long balls, they wasn't necessarily in the air either. Uh, and what, if you look at both of the goals, what we're basically trying to do is Arteta's trying to get the man between the fullback, for example, a bang end's penalty, He's trying to get the ball and the man between the right wing back and the right sided centre back. So it's almost sometimes straight balls or, or slightly diagonal balls to sort of in the space and for the players to move into it. Ironically, that's how Chelsea was trying to play against us uh, and how mm-hmm. Chelsea were for the, the first, well, up to the first drinks break. That's where they was trying to get all three of them into the centre. But once we stopped them doing that, it almost gave us space to do it to them. So it was quite, I was quite infused by that, really. I, I just thought Arteta played an absolute blinder. Played an absolute <laughs> blinder. I don't think they, he could have done anything anything different or anything better than what he did, really. I think we you know, we nullified them. And it, it was just the manner and the type of balls that we're putting in. And when you've got two speed merchants up front, you've got to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. So you've got to play them balls. You've got to be looking for the space. You've got to have 
them starting wide and looking to come in. And even, like I say, when you go to uh, the second goal, and they were so concerned about looking after Pepe and the Banyang that Bellerin just, it just, there was just a, a massive gap. It was just asking to be run into. And Bellerin had the, well, he had the sense firstly, the football sense to actually move into that space. And yeah, mm. but it, it was just all nice. It was just all lovely. It was all lovely, wasn't it? And I'll tell you what, two um, points I just, I, in one move, I'll point out what a couple of you lads said um, from a tactical point of view there. There's a move when Pepe picks the ball up inside his own half on the left-hand side. Another example of how this is one of Pepe's best games because he was allowed, he was allowed to float around the pitch. He didn't just have chalk on his boots on the right-hand side, which I feel like at times this season, and I, I sat at the Emirates when we drew 1-1 Sheffield United I sat on the side right by Pepe and I was like why is he just hugging the touchline the whole time but anyway push that to one side um Pepe's picked the ball up uh, on the left-hand side slightly inside channel and he's played a ball along the floor quite a long ball uh, pass along the floor it's not Aubameyang running on that left-hand side it's Maitland-Niles and that really confused Chelsea because of that rotation between Aubameyang and Maitland-Niles sometimes Oba would go out wide and, and Maitland-Niles would go beyond him sometimes it was vice versa I think that really did um, that caused them some problems but right so tactical a little tactical snippet um, uh, for you uh, listeners and hope you uh, hope you enjoyed that but we're going to quickly move on uh, I've got a feeling we've got six minutes left I've got a feeling we're going to go into extra time <laughs> at this stage so uh, I've got a couple more bits I want to talk about but we'll start with was, and I go to Mike. Um, how big is this FA Cup for next season? How big in terms of belief, confidence, and everything that comes with it? Them, them two words that you've just said there for me are the two the Arteta's biggest achievement: belief and confidence. And that's not just the players; that's the fan base; that's everything. We needed this. We needed this so badly. We needed that result. But what he has done is he's come in in six months of being in this club and made the players believe again. He's made them enjoy their football. He's made them know that you are worth you are worth something on this pitch. And when you step on that pitch, this is your role. And it's up to you to implement that. And he believes in them and he trusts them to do that. What we've seen with Maitland-Niles coming in into these big games, he's shown the trust and belief in him. All young kids like Saka have done a job. This is not a joke. It's not a mistake. He's done it. And this is all Mikel Arteta and... For me, I'm, I'm, people might be umming and ahhing, but I'm glad we're in Europe next season. I think it's good. It's healthy for the squad. It means we can get these squad additions in and we've got rotation and it keeps people fresh. It keeps people happy and interested. And by all means, we can go all the way in that competition under Arteta next season. And yeah, I mean, for what he's done with the culture of the club from top to bottom, it really has got a good feel about it. And we're all buzzing for the next game. And even us as fans, it don't get much more negative than it has this season. Yeah. I mean, it's been absolutely mental. We've been, the Unai Emery era come to a complete crash, like crash bang wallet. There's all the players, you can see no one believed and it was just a, not a nice place to be. Going to the games, it was not a nice place to be. The pub weren't even a nice place to be. Do you know what I mean? There was just a horrible feeling about football in general and, and now it, it's almost released the shackles and the players can feel it. We can see it. And we're enjoying it again, and it's a nice, nice place to be in. We sat here talking about good things and, and positives, and and the way forward, rather than Christ, where do we go next? Yeah. And we're we're even actually learning to love players that we might not have like, we might not like, or we might not have reservations about. But we, when you can visibly see them achieving something and doing something that their manager set out, you think, oh yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's even like like saying with David Luiz, I'm not. 
I'm really not genuinely a massive fan of him, but what I saw him implement and do there, he hats off. So, but this is all stemming from, for me, that one man. And, and the biggest thing about Arteta is he gets it. He's captained mm-hmm. the club. He's, he, he gets it. He genuinely has. He's been in the Premier League for years and years. He, he knows the club inside out. And he, he's so passionate and so meticulous in everything that he does. And the players seem to love him. And he's young and he's energetic and he breeds life into everyone. So mm-hmm. next season for me, I can't wait. And I think the cup final was big. Not just to win it, yet another trophy, yet another one, by the way. Unbelievable. Like these FA Cup finals don't come along every day and we seem to be in them every other year at the moment. So just we've we got to enjoy it while we can. Thank you. But just, just to finish next season, let's see where we can go. We, we need some additions. We know that. He knows that. And I'm intrigued to see, see where we go with it. Yeah, Mike, thoughts? Big for next season? Yeah. What does this do? Yeah. Dali. It's uh, shifted the perception from the east to the west. Um, you know, if we don't win the FA Cup, then you've got us looking, or the perception uh, from the outside, they're looking at Arsenal as a team that finished eighth, might even even have been lucky to finish eighth. Um, we lost the FA Cup final, if that's what you know, would have happened. And then uh, that perception has swung all the way to the other side now, because Arsenal finished, and this is how it will be remembered, they finished by winning the FA Cup by beating two of the best teams in the country that are allegedly better than us, and not just beating them, but outplaying them in, in, in playing different footballing ways, but outplaying them, outthinking them. And so the perception moving on, trying to you know, achieve good things in the transfer window has swung the perception to, to bring Arsenal back to, to be um, a club that, that people will probably want to be at now. Uh, and so that's huge, bigger than probably anything, is that, is that perception, how, how we feel and how other people feel about our club. The second thing is a detail that I noticed after the cup final. My favourite moment of the post-game was Lucas Torreira. Lucas Torreira, as we all know, you know, has been used to playing significantly more for Arsenal than he has recently. His playing time has dwindled down to the point where he didn't play, hasn't played recently, he did not play one minute in that FA Cup final. At the end of the game, they're all embracing Mikel Arteta, or he's embracing them, and Lucas Torreira seeks him out. He jumps into his arm like it's his long-lost uncle or something and won't let go of the man. And he didn't even play. And he's been reduced from a starter at Arsenal Football Club to somebody that didn't play in the most important game of his life did not get on that field. I know I keep repeating myself, and that's what he thinks of the coach. I've never seen that. I've never seen a guy in that position feel that way about the man that decided not to play him. So that shows you, if he feels that way, uh, what what the squad and these better players coming in will get from this man leading us, if he feels that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. And at this juncture, we've got uh, 33 seconds, yes, but I've just looked at the fourth official. He's holding up the sign. That's uh, that's five minutes. We're into extra time, lads. Have a little walk. Five go. minutes. Oh, just held up. For those of you that are just listening, I've basically held up a crappy piece of paper that reads five minutes because we're <laughs> going to extend this for a little bit because there's a couple more bits I want to talk about. And Gav, I'll move on to you now. Um, let's talk some, just very, very brief, let's t- touch on transfers because it sounds like the Willian stuff is done so or practically done or on the verge of done or depending on who you listen to. So thoughts on... The player, um, the you know general thoughts about next season, uh, all of that sort of stuff. But let's talk. Uh, let's talk the type of player first and foremost, Willian, and anyone else that you've heard of that you think actually he'll be all right. Uh, I think the most important signature we can get this summer is a bang in. Uh, yeah. that, that's the most important one. Uh, I don't particularly 
care if we get Willian or not. I don't care how good he is or how bad he is. I just don't want another player coming from Chelsea. I understand why it makes sense with zero transfer fee and you know how much you'd cost us over three years and how you know how logical it is for us to try and sign him. I just don't want another Chelsea player. I just yeah. don't want. I, I, I just don't want it. So also, I'm not. You know. Maybe give Nelson more of a chance. Uh, maybe give Saka more game time. I'd like to see more time for the, the youth players next year. And the most important thing really is we, again, Ceballos. It'd be nice to get Ceballos, even if it's another loan deal uh, for another year with him. Uh, maybe another centre-back. I, I don't know. I'm not Like I say, I'm not going, I don't watch anybody but Arsenal. So when it comes to sort of transfers and transfer rumours, I tend to stay well away from that until they've actually got the shirt on and, you know, they've signed, you know, there's a picture of them on .com and they've signed sort of thing. That's that's for me, do you know what I mean? I think that's fair enough. So just to jump jump in with you um, on the Willian thing, because I think we've obviously been talking on the WhatsApp group and it seems to be broadly speaking. So we're going to be the against column and then uh, Was and Mike can be the for column uh, for this particular podcast. But in my view, um, I don't know what you think about this, Gav. 250 grand a week, wherever I don't know how much it is. That's what some people are saying. If it's that sort of money for three plus three years plus one, that worries me slightly because are we going to end up being bogarded a little bit like what's happening with Ozil? Like I've always thought, wasn't I? You know, was you know, you and I agree on Ozil. We think he's a fantastic footballer, but a fantastic footballer sitting in Turkey is of no use to us. Um, you know, so <laughs> we can't. Yeah, are, no, I don't, are don't, we going to get, get that? In two years' time, with Willian as he as he declines, I don't know, but I'll let you well, say we, one he, final thing, Gary, yeah. and then we'll move on to the lads. Yeah, well, no, I mean, he, he did. Uh, Willian did. I think he did play every single league game for Chelsea this year. Uh, and if you look at it, he's he doesn't get a lot of injuries. He stays fit. He's obviously well liked at Chelsea. There's obviously some sort of issue with length of contract, but if you sign him on a three-year deal, he goes down in two years' time. You've got a year of him picking up decent size money, and you know he's doing a nozzle on us. So I, I don't particularly get it. I get, like I say, Mike and Was are going to tell me exactly why he's the exact player that we need. He's got the exact experience. <laughs> he's got Premiership experience. He, he knows the Premiership. He's a winner. He plays well. He doesn't get a great deal of assists or goals, but he probably helps in the build up to most of them. And they're going to wax lyrical about this player, but. He comes from fucking Chelsea, and I'm just bored of getting players off Chelsea. I'm sorry, boys. I'm so sorry. All right, mate. So let's start with Mike then. Go on, then. You go first, then we'll have Wars. Convince us otherwise, mate. All right. You don't have to persuade me to uh, convince me to talk well of William. This is how I feel. You know, I trust the coach, and apparently Arteta's all in on this. This is Mm. his choice. So who am I, right? Now, I'd say two things again on this. One, Arsenal need better experienced players. If we have a weakness in our playing staff, it's the experienced players are yep. not elite. They're not even particularly good uh, yep. often, and we need better experienced players. Our young players are our strength. So, you, if, to win anything really, as we've seen this season as well, you have to have the young players, you have to have players in their 20s, in their prime, and you need boys over 30. Every squad needs that. We need better experienced players, and he is better than our experienced players. Second thing, maybe the most important thing, is that I think Arteta 
as um, the mod, most modern of the modern day coaches that I'm seeing is playing this hybrid style. He wants players who can move and shift uh, during the game, uh, from game to game, but mostly during the game. You know how we move from a, you know, a, a three-four-three to a four-three-three and a four-two-three, and all this happens in the game. So he wants hybrid players. Well, this guy can play about four positions. And, uh, you know, we need players between the lines. We need an attacking midfielder. He can do that. He can play in a 4-3-3 in midfield. Because his technique is Santi Cazorla level. I mean, he's elite technically. He can play on the wing if we need him to play there. And that hybrid player is where we're moving. So that's why. And that's why we're going for Coutinho too. I'm telling you. I don't know that. Sorry, I don't want to act like I know. But I really strongly feel Coutinho is the same type of player. He's technical. He play, plays at Barcelona in a 4-3-3. He plays on the wing. He plays attacking midfield. And so this fits what Arteta wants to do, Chris. All right. Well, let's pick the bones out of that one. Anything more to add to convince us, Gav and I? Mate, after that, I've just bought a Willian shirt off .com. <laughs> <laughs> he did a good job there, didn't he? He's not no, he, he, he's absolutely spot on. I, I completely understand Gav's uh, reservations about ex-Chelsea players, but I just think this scenario is a little bit different to what we've seen previously. Chelsea were willing to get rid of... Chelsea wanted to keep Willian. They want to keep Willian. They've offered him a deal... They've come to a disagreement about the, the, the terms of their deal and he's available. And at the end of the day, he might want to change the scenery, but he is absolutely spot on in everything he said there, Mike. And um, I'll, I'd be very, very happy to see someone like Willian come in. And, 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 and like Gav even said himself, everything is logical. He's just got reservations, which is completely understandable. But there's nothing to say you could go out and spend 50 million on Shevchenko. And he just don't score goals. You don't know. You don't. At the time, he was one of the most elite players in world football. Unbelievable centre forward. Chelsea thought he would be a hit, and he was he was terrible. So this this can happen. A player could play on their debut and do their cruciate, and you've lost them for eighteen months. There's a risk in every signing in football, and I think what's happened with the whole Mesut Ozil scenario, where Wenger was reluctant to, he, he knew, Arsenal knew he had one or two years left and the same thing happened with Alexis and Ozil and he wanted to try one last time. He wanted to try. The club hung on too long. We should have sold a season before or got that deal done. We didn't. We left ourselves in a scenario where if we lose Mesut Ozil there and then, we're in big trouble. So we were forced to put big money out and with the Alexis deal, we got an awful deal with Mkhitaryan. To be fair, both clubs got a horrific deal out of that. And, and, and that was all down to poor mismanagement. And I just don't see this Willian deal being anything similar to, to them because they were done in an, a, a previous time where everything was going wrong. Let's, let's be brutally honest. So, yeah. yes, yes, he is 31, nearly 32. Yes, three years, he will be 35. But... If we're looking, and, and like Mike hit the nail on here, to be fair, an experienced squad player that can is flexible, adaptable, multi-positions. He's missed hardly any game. He's literally played nearly every game for the last five, six years for Chelsea. Uh, incredible um, injury record. Touch wood, you know. But mm -hmm. if he does sign, it, I just think it's a very shrewd signing. And it then allows the, the outlay of funds to go on, on more needed Somewhere positions. Else. Somewhere yeah, else. I'm into that. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So we are literally into, we're now getting into Fergie time of extra time. So I just wanted to talk about one final thing, which was the news that's come out today about the club making 55 redundancies. Now we're in an era where lots of businesses are having to make very, very difficult decisions. Uh, people are losing their jobs. You've had people that are on furlough that are then, um, you know, uh, have uncertainty around their, their, their work at the moment. So this is horrible to hear. And Gav, I just want to kind of get a minute or two from you to just talk about your thoughts around this decision by the club, given that, you know, they've asked the, they've asked the players to take a 12.5% pay cut. I think we're the only club that's done that. They have now announced that there's a chunk of people who work at Highbury House that are going. So give us some thoughts just as we wrap up today. It's not a very nice way to wrap up. And let's, let's focus on the positives at the end because we have won an FA Cup in the end of it. But we do need to talk about this sort of stuff. So, so um, Gav, just, uh, just a minute or two on the, uh, on the redundancies today. He's gone. Always oh, muted. He's, he's stunned into silence. Was well, you're muted as well. Sorry, no, there you go. Sorry about that. Blimey, I'm working <laughs> with amateurs. Go on, mate. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I'm working I'm working with wannabe chefs. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody that doesn't watch this and listens to this podcast, I am currently wearing an apron that says license the grill because I'm going to do my <laughs> eat my food after this. But Gav, 55. Let's, let's bring it down to a bit more of a somber note. 55 yeah. uh, five people are going to lose their job after yeah, no, I mean, the only people that we've sort of seen any confirmation that are definitely going are some of the scouts, some of the, I think the head of international scouting is going and a few other scouts. Uh, obviously, what I'd be more upset about, cause, I mean, obviously, I, I feel the game's going a little bit away from scouting, maybe going more towards the agents doing the scouting and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but my concern would be for the people, if there is people at Highbury House that are going, uh, a lot of them will work for the club for 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, and they are passionate Arsenal supporters as well as working for the club. And they're not on the big money. You know, they're not on sort of 50, 60 grand. Some, some of them aren't even on 50, you know, 50, 60 grand a year. Some of them are on, you know, proper sort of normal, average uh, London London wages. So if any of them did go, then I'd, I'd feel very, very sorry for them. Uh if it's to deal with the hierarchy who make decisions, uh, and they've made some absolutely horrendous decisions over the last 10, 12 years, if some of them went, I wouldn't be overly too bothered, uh, if you get what I mean. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I say, if, if we're talking about the, you know, the, the ladies and gents who work on the membership lines and the ticket lines, and the people that help out with the disabled supporters and with the junior gunners, if it's positions like that, I'd be very, very gutted for them. Yeah. Uh, but like I say, once, once you start going up into the higher echelons of, you know, for example, the people that sort out how bloody expensive tickets are and memberships are and, you know, and obviously my friends at the merchandise department as well. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, but, yeah, no, it, you, you know what I'm saying. If it's, yeah. if it's 55 people at the bottom of the ladder who are earning the least amount of wages, I'm going to be gutted. If it's the, the middle manager and the scouting team, I wouldn't really hold too much sleep because we do employ a lot of people at Arsenal Football Club. I saw a stat earlier where I think we employ almost double the amount of Man City. Yeah. So, that hits yeah. home something, doesn't it? That really does yeah. hit home. Um, 
gents, we're out of time for today. Um, I am sorry that we've not been, I've had to cut this short, but um, we've hit the extra time. We've hit Fergie time. And even Anthony Taylor, who did us some favours on Saturday, is saying, come on, lads, you've got to wrap this one up now. So um, it's been really, really good chatting to you as always. Uh, li dear listener, hopefully you've enjoyed this as much as we have. Um, say goodnight, Mike. Yeah, thanks everybody for watching, listening. Yep, say goodnight, Was. Up the Arsenal. Thanks, guys, for having us in 14 times, by the way. Get 14 times. And Gav, celebration 14 times. See you later, mate. She will. She will. <laughs> she will yellow ribbon. She will yellow ribbon in the merry month of August. And when <laughs> I asked her why she wore that ribbon, she says it's for, she the, Arsenal. It's for the Arsenal. We and we went to Wembley. And we'll see you later next time on the Gunnerstown Podcast. You.